Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of our Revolutionary Podcast where I am here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And so we are wrapping up 2020 with a unique series that is not Christmassy in nature, but I really feel it's very 2020 in nature. You know, at the beginning of this year, right, we had pastors all over the place talking about 2020 vision for your life. Well, this series is designed to give you 2020 vision, a greater clarity of who God is, who you are, who you are becoming by evaluating and processing not only what has happened this year, but decisions that you have made this year and who you have become. So with that, let's go ahead and dive right in and let's see what God has to say so that he can give us a greater vision of who he is and who we can be in him. Can you get ready to open up his word? I want us to reflect what's, what's amazing about that, 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 what we just declared. I want you to hold on to that because that's going to be our focus for right now. Is not only understanding that God is great, but my prayer is that we all may get a greater understanding, a greater revelation of who Jesus is. Guys, this might sound weird. There are only three more Sundays left aside from today in 2020. Is that weird to hear? Three more Sundays left in 2020. Hasn't this year been really long and like flown by really fast at the same time? I'm sorry. I was, I was, okay, you're good. I thought someone was trying to get my attention. Okay, now we're back. All right, so, right? Hasn't this been, I mean, a lot has happened this year. Let's be real. And what's, I want us to consider this because we're going to do Christmas a little differently. Okay, instead of doing, I was like, all right, guys, a little, the typical Christmas, and let's focus on the Christmas story and this and that. This year has not been typical. So I, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to end this year reflecting on this year. In fact, we're going to do a series for the rest of this year called Worst Year Ever, with a question mark, because there is so much that has happened that I do not, as your pastor, I don't want you to just pretend, hey, let's just kind of ignore everything. Let's just kind of have Christmas, do what we do, and then, hey, we'll start over next year, right? Now, I want you guys to process. I want to help you process Everything that has happened this year, because a lot has happened this year, and we still don't even know the full ramifications of decisions, not only that you and I have made, but that the world has made this year. We still have not experienced the full ramifications. The best way I can describe it is this. 2020 is drunk. 2021 is going to be the hangover. <laughs> okay? Y'all, 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 okay? Some of y'all, oh. Some of y'all felt that one in your spirit on that one, okay? 2020 is drunk. 2021 is going to be the hangover, meaning there's still some effects that we have not experienced yet, and we don't know what it's going to feel like. We don't know. Now, I know that sounds super pessimistic. I'm not. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. We still don't know. There's decisions that we have made that we still don't understand the full ramifications of how that's going to affect life businesses, the way of life, all that we do. And in fact, we can even look at this. Ask yourself, how have you processed this year? Because I know from studies and from conversations, we know that the struggle between loneliness and depression and isolation is up. We know that. We know that substance abuse is up. We know that marital abuse and child abuse is up. We know that financial struggles and all of that, we know that's up. And that's 
That's heavy. That's heavy. And so, and, and I want us to consider how have you, how have you processed all of this disruption? How have you processed all of this disruption? Because here's the thing, and, I, and some of y'all that have been hanging around me long enough, you know I say this a lot. The person that you will be someday, you are becoming today with every decision that you make. The person you will be someday, you are going to become, okay? You're, you're becoming that today based on every single decision for the better or worse. And so you have to process, you have to look internally, reflect in your life, how are you processing all of this disruption? Because maybe you still haven't realized the decisions that you've made might or might not set you up for a, br- a brighter, better tomorrow or better 2021. And so here's the thing, and, and out of all the things that you can do, out of all the decisions that you can make, regardless of the world, regardless of the circumstance, okay, the most important decision you can make is trust in Jesus during tough times. Because when you can do that, there's a transformation that happens. And I know, see, here's the thing, I, it's, it's hard, it's easier said than done, right? Right? If I tell you, hey, just trust Jesus in tough times, that's not a word you want to hear, right? It's, it's like, mm, really, bro? I was like, it sounds easier said than done. But listen, just because it's easier said than done doesn't mean it's impossible. It's possible. It's difficult, but difficult things, aren't they worth it? And so we're going to look right now at one story just today. And it's not your typical, you know, you know Christmas theme. We're going to look at Job. All right? Job, the, Job was a book in the Bible, is a book in the Bible. In fact, it is considered to be probably the oldest and the first book ever written in the Bible. The Bible is not just one book, it's a, book, it's a collection of books, 66 different books. Job is considered to be the one of the oldest, if not the first actually inspired word of God. And it's an interesting story. Okay? It takes place in, I mean, some consider maybe around 1800, 1500 BC, either the time of Moses, maybe some think Abraham. But the, what we know about Job is this, that Job suffered unnecessarily. Job didn't just have, um, you know, he didn't have a year. Man, 2020 hit him in a day, okay? Literally, he had a 2020 kind of a day where in one day we see he lost his entire family, his kids, to a freak accident. His wife was the only one that remained. Not only that, in the same day, within the same few hours, he was a rich man, great businessman, lost it all. Lost everything. And on top of that, dude contracted a virus, all right? He got sick all over his body and had these welts and, and these just, I mean, it was, it was pretty gross the way I'm going to just save you all that, but it was, it was bad. And here he is like, what just happened? What just happened? And most of the, sto- most of the entire book, which is a big book, and it's a, it's a little difficult read for some people because you're trying to process a lot here. He, it, obviously he's struggling with this and he's like, God, why, right? Isn't that a legit question? Why? And we know this about Job, that Job is an upright man, not a perfect man. God himself even said, Job's an upright man. And Job knew this. He knew he wasn't perfect, but he knew. And so he's like, I don't get it. Why is this all happening to me? Have you ever asked that question? Why me? Right? Why me? That's Job. Why me? Then in the story, three friends come. And they're, they're sitting with him. They're, 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 they're mourning. They're, you know, lamenting with him and eventually they can't have enough and it's like all right now we have to help him and so they start talking and giving advice right and so the thing is all three of them are giving this advice and they're all really helping him to do one thing they're trying to help him realize bro where did you go wrong 
Like all three of them, all three of them had this one theme. They're all telling Job, Job, boy, if this happened to you, what did you do to deserve this? You must have done something because we know that God blesses those who are good and he punishes those who are not. God has given you an epic celestial spanking. So what did you do, Job? What did you do? And Job was like, nothing. I have done nothing to deserve this. This punishment does not fit the crime because I don't know what I did. And I know I didn't do it. He's not, bro, I don't know. It's not like, you know, sometimes you have kids of like, you see, uh, who ate all them cookies? And they got like chocolate chips. I don't know. And it's like they got chocolate all up in their faces, right? Duh. I was like, no, 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 that's not that. He's like, no, I don't know. I didn't do anything to get this and deserve this. And the three friends, bro, man, no, you must have, you must have. They are judging him, assuming he did something and he doesn't want to own up to it. But here's the thing. As, and, and, and they go back and forth. Job talks, and one of the friends trying to, you know, get him, and then Job responds back, oh, man, you wrong. And then another friend. And then, no, 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 you wrong. And another friend. Job keeps on answering back and forth. And then finally we have a fourth hidden friend. A fourth hidden friend that we didn't see up until the end. And check this out. Let's just read his introduction. All right, we're going to look at Job 32 really quick. One and three. Look at this. At the very end, Job had answered all of his friends, and then out of a, all of a sudden, chapter 2, 32, Let's read it here. He says, so these three men quit answering Job because Job had an answer for everything that they said because he was righteous in his own eyes, meaning I have done nothing wrong. I have done nothing wrong. Then Elihu, here's the fourth guy. We had no clue this, there was another standing around. Elihu, son of Barachel the Buzite from the family of Ram, became angry. He was angry at Job. Why? Because he had justified himself rather than God. And he was also angry at the three friends because they had failed to refute him, yet had only condemned him. So this guy, I know we've had this feeling. You've ever been in a conversation or IE argument and everyone's kind of talking and you're just kind of sitting there biting your tongue, right? And then eventually you're like, okay, that's it. Time out. I'm, I got to say something. You ever been in one of those? Right? That was Elihu. Elihu was, he was the youngest of the crew, so he remained silent because out of respect for everyone else. So we know that this guy was an honorable dude. And so he's just being quiet. I'm like, I have enough. I've had enough. That's it. I, I, I got to say something. And he noticed that he's upset. He's upset at Job. Why? Because Job is like, bro, you are justifying you rather than God. Meaning, you know what, what's bothering him? It's like, Job, you're making this whole thing about you. It's all about you. You're just backing yourself up, and yet, because you are justifying God, uh, you're kind of passing, you know, a little passive-aggressive towards who God is. You're, you're all about you, man. You're making this whole thing about you. And then he's upset at the three friends because the three friends are prejudging. They're assuming that, bro, you must have done something wrong. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault because they had this opinion of God. Elihu begins to talk. And here's the thing, unlike the other friends, every time one of the friends said something, Job had something to say. But when Elihu starts to talk, he has not, Job has no answer because this guy's spitting truth. And he's like, I, I, uh, well, if you ain't going to say something, let me keep talking. And then he, Elihu keeps going. Elihu keeps going. Elihu keeps going. And Job has nothing to say. When Elihu is done, Job is left speechless because he got checked. You ever had somebody just check you, right? They just say the right thing. I'm like, Ugh. I hate that I love you right now, right? Because you're right. And you have nothing else to say? When Elihu was done talking, Job had nothing else to say. God now shows up and begins to talk. Because Job had been humbled to a place where he was able finally to hear 
from God. And you know what's good? Crazy about this. God goes and he talks to Job and like, all right, Job, I need to talk to you, man, because uh, I got a situation with you. And he talks to him in a kind of way. And then at the end, he talks to the other three friends, rebukes, God himself rebukes the other three friends for saying, you have misrepresented me. You have spoken false things. Y'all don't know what you're talking about. And you know what God doesn't talk to? Elihu. God never, hey, by the way, Elihu, man, let me talk to you too. No, he doesn't say anything. So that leads us, we don't know why God didn't talk about Elihu, but we led to assume that what he had to say was pretty on point. Because the everybody else that said something wrong was corrected. Elihu wasn't. So that means there was something there. I am clean. I have no iniquity. But he, being God, he finds reason to oppose me. He regards me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and he stands watch over all my paths. And Elihu says, but I tell you, Job, you're wrong. You're wrong in this matter. Since, can we all say those last five words? God is greater than man. And that is really his little thesis where he unpacks. Listen, man, you're wrong. And you got to check yourself because, listen, God is greater than man, meaning God's ways are not your ways. God's thoughts are not your thoughts. He's on another level than you. And you are talking to him like you're in charge. You're talking to him like he's like you're the dad and he's the kid that owes you. Like you're the boss and he's the employee. Look, I know this is hard for us, especially here in America, right? We, uh, it's, it's a national, it's our national pastime. I know it used to, our, you know, our sport used to be baseball, right? It was America's sport. Right now, you could probably say it's football. Nah, no, okay. We have a national sport. It's called uh, arguing on politics. That's our national sport. Let's be real, okay? Some of y'all are prolific, okay? Y- y'all gonna be in the Hall of Fame one day. Man, y'all, because y'all good. Some of y'all are good. And so here's the thing, we, it's so, especially us, because we live in a democratic republic, it's so easy for us to assume, hey, uh, the president, uh, whoever, Congress, right, I, uh, I can say what I need to say, I can correct you, I can check you if I want to, because aren't you a public servant, i.e., doesn't my taxes pay for your salary, meaning I'm your boss, you should work for me, am I right? That's how it works. If you didn't, now you know. That's how it works, and so they are not beneath us checking them. But last time I checked, we didn't elect God, meaning God can't be impeached. And so, and some of us talk to God like we, like he's the president, like he works for us. And I love the way Tony Evans kind of says it. Elihu is pretty much telling Job, Job, you got to remember who's the creator and who's the creature in this situation. God is the creator, not you. God is greater. And so here's the things that he's really checking Job on. And so some of y'all, some of y'all better be ready because I'm going to go for your throats. Here we go. Number one. One thing that Job, Elihu is checking Job on, and this is in chapter 32 and 33, this is his first speech. He's pretty much accusing, Job is accusing God of being silent, of being still, of being, I don't see where he's at. So that means, mm, I'm talking and he ain't saying nothing. And and Elihu is saying, listen, God is not silent. In fact, he can and does use pain and difficulties to speak to us. C.S. Lewis would say that, that our pain is like a megaphone for God. And God can use those things to talk. But in essence, what he's saying is, look, I'm here. I'm praying. I'm asking. God, you owe me an answer. Why is this happening to me? And I'm not hearing him. He ain't picking up the phone. He's letting all my calls go to voicemail. All right? He's re- he ain't even answering my texts, my emails, my, my nothing. I'm tagging him, nothing. And he's like, yo, you got to hold on, man. Because just because you think he is, just because he is silent doesn't mean that he is still. Because you got to, because you know what he's doing? 
he's accusing God. Think about this. He's accusing God of not loving him. That's what Job is kind of doing here. And guys, how many times do we do that? How many times are we praying, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why aren't you listening to me? But you know what Elihu actually says and something we all need to remember? He says, listen, he actually tells Job in this chapter in 33, God talks to us all the time. God does not have a speaking problem. We have a listening problem. God uses a lot of things and dreams and circumstances and people to talk to us. But a lot of times it's hard for us to hear him because we, he is not saying what we want to hear. We want him to say this, and he'll say, no, no, God wants to tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And because it's not what we want to hear, we, yeah, that's it. One more time. That's what we do, right? We just let it go. He's like, oh, be careful, Joe, because the problem, God is not, God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a listening problem. So we have to pause sometimes because that attitude of yours also is going to make it harder for you to hear him. That attitude is going to make make it harder for you to hear him. And you can't assume, because what he's doing is assuming, that because God is not talking and God's not doing, that means, mm. all right, look, when I was a kid, I used to go to sleep to watching Nick at Night. Anybody remember Nick at Night? Yo, the black and white school. Some of y'all are like, okay, look, classic TVs. I used to go to sleep to watching Nick at Night. And anybody remember old school shows called Lassie? Anybody remember Lassie? Lassie, man. Lassie was a dog where he was a good dog, right? And so Timmy, every episode is getting in trouble. Every other episode, the, the Timmy's falling in a well. Where are his parents? And you know, like, seriously, can we put a grate on that? Like, how many times until we kind of learn a lesson? Timmy's always falling in a well, and then he's like, Lassie, Lassie, go, go get help, go get help. And then, you know, he takes off. But here's Timmy in the well. I don't hear him barking. I don't hear anything dumb dog. He's probably all chasing some duck right now and taking a nap or eating this and that. Like Timmy in the well doesn't see the fact that Lassie is hauling but over to find whoever he is getting help. They're on their way but in the well can he tell? In the well can Timmy tell? No. So he could easily assume this dog ain't doing his job and then you know saying whatever he wants to that dog when the dog is doing his job. Listen there's a lot of times you and I say we because of our finite minds We're kind of in a well where we can't see all things perfectly. So be careful. Just because you don't hear God doesn't mean that he ain't moving, that he's not doing something. We have to be careful to assume that of God. And so here's another one. He goes in the next chapter in 34. Job is saying, God, this isn't fair, God. You are treating me unjustly. I deserve an answer. Because look at what's happening to me. I'm an upright man. I would offer sacrifices to you. I taught my kids well. I would pray for my kids, which we did. No, we see this. I mean, the dude loved God, and he served the Lord and was blessed. And so this isn't fair. Why is this happening to me? And look at that guy's. Look at that guy's business. He can care less about you, and his business is thriving. Look, his kids could care less about you. Look at a man, and look at them. They're alive, and mine are dead. How come? Why? And in essence, Job was assuming and thinking that God is not a fair God. This isn't fair. Why am I going through this and not anybody else? This isn't fair. That's what he kind of says in 34. And he says, God, how many times have we ever said that, guys? How many times have you ever wondered, man, I'm putting in this, I'm doing this, and, and I, this is what I'm going through? And here's this so-and-so. Look, me and my marriage, we're trying to follow Jesus and do things right, and we're struggling. And here's these two mundanos over here that can just do whatever they want. Right? They could care less about Jesus. They could care less about God. And they're happy. Look at their Instagram pictures. Like, you know, come on. Like, that's not fair. Why, why am I? I'm here putting in work. 
and I'm honorable in my job, and that jerk is the one that got the promotion and not me? This ain't fair, God. Listen, if you think that God is not fair, isn't that another attack on his character? That's you assuming God, okay, is not just. You're assuming something of the nature of God. But here's the thing. I'm going to be real with you. God does not treat us the same. He loves us the same. He does not. He loves us the same. And he actually says, I show no partiality. Meaning, I do not favor one person more than another for one reason or another. I don't. But listen, God does not treat us the same because he is a good God, because he loves us. And you and I all know this. Look, if every good leader, boss, coach, and parent knows this truth. Every good friend knows this truth. You know, all right, if you want to get the best out of so-and-so, you know what's going to work for that person. A good leader, a good coach, a good parent knows. I can talk to you this way, but I can't talk to you, I can't talk to you in the same way I talk to her because what works for her is not going to work for you. You ever seen a coach like that? Where he'll get in one person's face and he'll just grill them in his face, grill him because he knows that's how I'm going to get the best out of you. A good coach knows when to. And then he'll come to another coach. Hey, come on, guy. Let me talk to you real quick. I'm like, man, why are you spitting in my face? I didn't see you wearing a mask. All right? You spitting in my face and over here you're kind of like cuddling up with this guy? That's not fair. Well, a good, a good person would know. Yeah, but he's getting, this is how he gets the best out of me. A parent knows this too. If you had more than one kid, you know. You can't copy paste parenting skills from one kid to another. Right? Each one is unique, each one is different, and none of them come with a manual. You gotta figure that out, okay, right? You just gotta figure it out. You just know that. And so if we know as parents, as friends, again, some of us know as friends, look, I know I can be real with you, and that's how I'm gonna get through to you. But man, if, I, if I'm the same way with you, I'm, I'm gonna wreck you, and so I, I'm gonna do a little different, right? We all know this, we do this. Well, guys, in the same way that we do it, God does it too. God is willing because he loves us. He does not treat us all the same. He allows things to happen and he talks to us and encourages us in different ways to get the best out of us. Right? Not to take us out to get the best out of us. So don't assume that God is not fair. Another one, chapter 35. Another, this is where, man, I, I could tell Elihu was really bothered. At, he was afraid of this right here. Because Job, the way Job was talking, Job was pretty much like, why bother anymore? I'm done. Anybody ever been there? You ever said those words? I'm done. That's it. I quit. I'm done. Elihu said, listen, righteous living is not pointless. Righteous living is not pointless because he was afraid. He says, Job, I see it in you. If you are not careful, you're going you're gonna to fall into this place and be like, okay, I, I, I'm done. Why should I keep sacrificing to this God that doesn't listen to me? Why should I keep serving this God who treats me this way? Why should I even bother anymore with this guy? Why should I bother? How many of us have ever gone there? Can I be real? How many of you have ever gone there? Man, I mean, I'm in here, you know, I'm reading the Bible every day. I'm on my Bible app. My streak is at 472, right? I got that. I'm, on, I'm constantly getting my offering and my tithes. I'm volunteering. I'm doing this. I'm trying not to cuss as much, right? I'm trying to do all this stuff. Like, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. God, I'm putting in work. I ain't see you put anything. Like, I'm putting in. You ain't putting out. I'm putting in. You ain't putting out, God. You're telling God, you're, you're, you're not worth it. You know, that's what you're telling him. You're not worth it. Not this isn't worth it. You're not worth it. Listen, last time I checked, God is not your convenient vending machine. 
God's not your vending machine where you can be like, I'm going to put in 50 cents worth of stuff and I need a dollar worth of product. People do that, though. He would say, God, I'm putting in this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and, and I don't see you returning the favor. Again, yo, who's God, guys? Who's the, who's the boss and who's the employee? Like, who's the dad and who's the kid? Just be real now. That's when, so he's saying, guys, be careful. Because listen, if you feel, and I'm going to say this right now, if you feel that following Christ and being a Christian is pointless because you're doing all of this and not getting anything, anything in return, it's pointless. No, 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 no. You've just missed the whole point of following Jesus. That's it. You've just missed the point. Because it's not about what you can get from God. It's just about God getting him. It's different. It's different. It's different. And then the last one he makes and he closes up his argument in, in chapter 36 and 37. He said, really, pretty much he's saying, look, Job, let me just say it one more time. You, in essence, what he's telling Job, you have no place to criticize God. Because remember, he is greater. Not that the fact that, let me, let me be real here, because I'm, I'm not saying that you can't think critically. There's a difference, right? Can y'all, can y'all feel me on that one, right? There's a difference between thinking critically and being critical. Yes or no? There's a difference between thinking critically and being critical. So God invites, you got a problem, you got a situation, let's talk about it. He invites that, he welcomes that to help process those stuff. But being critical is different because in essence you are saying, God, you're not good. You're not a good God. Guys, all of this, these things, you know what this is called? It's a sin. All of these things are sins because it is, you are, look how many commandments you're just wrecking right now on God. You are taking God's name in vain because you're not using it properly, right? You are lying, okay, because to say that God is not fair, God is not just, God doesn't care because he does, you're lying. That you are bearing false witness against your neighbor. You are not honoring your heavenly father and that he is not, you know, he is not God. You have put now yourself in front of God. Commandment number two. You, you just all over the place now. You're a hot mess. And here, in essence, he's saying, you got to be careful, man, because look, I know sometimes, sometimes, and this is interesting, sometimes God can allow pain and suffering for our benefit and good. And maybe we don't get it in the moment because we don't get it. God's greater than us. It's hard for us to process this. But some, not all punishment, not all pain is punitive. Punitive means you deserve it. Meaning, you did this, yo, you're going to get it today. Not like that, okay? All pain is impunitive. Sometimes pain is preventative. Like, this is going to help you in the long run. Listen, one time I was at Publix with my middle, okay? His name was Josiah. He was like three years old. He's the one with the most life and energy, and he's like, I'm going to do first, think later, okay? That's him. And he's three years old, and we're walking. He's walking, and at that point, he was little. He had really long, curly hair. It was great. And so I have, my, I have him in uh, his hand, and I have the groceries in my other. And we're outside, and we're about to leave Publix. And the second those sliding glass doors open up, it was like he heard a gunshot, the green light, the, the dude with the green flag at the Daytona 500, and he yanked his hand and pew, took off running. He was like, it's a race now to the car. And he's laughing and giggling, and I'm like, what the? And I look up, and he's laughing. He's running to the car. He does not see another car that's on, on the way, crossing in front. Josiah doesn't see that car. That car doesn't see Josiah. I see both. And so at this time now, and, and this is like seconds that are happening, I take two lunges forward because we're that close to the street. 
And I just, because I'm yelling at him, stop, stop, stop. And he, (laughs) I'm yelling at him to stop and he's not listening. And so I I just lunge as much as I can, turned on me. His curls were just long enough. That was all I could grab was one curl. I was trying to grab his shirt. I couldn't reach it. I just grabbed his curl. And I yanked him back on that curl. He cried. He cried. But how am I going to process? How, I can't, let's be real. Can and a three-year-old process this conversation? Buddy, I know that hurt. You know what it hurt more? That car running over here, right? That would have hurt more. Like, he's not going to process that. He's like, oh, dad, why'd you? So he's upset. He's crying. Why did you hurt me, dad? Why did you hurt me? I didn't mean to, but that was trying to save his life, right? That was a pain that was preventative in nature. Listen, sometimes some of us are so stubborn that sometimes God has to yank us by the curl to try to wake us up. Because if that is the last thing, if we don't listen at this point, it's going to be too late. Because he is a good dad, sometimes he allows those things to happen. Over and over again, Elihu says, listen, there is a pit of death and destruction. And sometimes God might allow certain pain to, he doesn't cause it, but he will allow it to happen to save you from the pit. To save you from it getting even worse. So don't go and criticize God because maybe what if the thing that he's doing is actually for your good and you're complaining the whole time. You're, he's helping you, and you're upset that he is. That he, and you're upset because he's not helping you. You, you, you process that? Guys, he, here's the whole thing, and, and I'll actually, I love this quote from John Piper. He says, sometimes the pain that, ca- that God causes is like a surgeon's knife, not like an executioner's whip. Sometimes he has to do that. Sometimes the truth is going to hurt, but he doesn't because he loves you, and he wants to get the best out of you. And in fact, here's pretty much the big idea. And this is the thing that I really, the same way that Elihu's heart was heavy towards Job, Job, my my heart is heavy towards me, my family, and all of you. And here's the thing that pretty much Elihu was trying to get Job to get to. Listen, don't let hard times harden your heart towards God. That's, that's, That's it right there. Don't let hard times harden your heart towards God. I'm gonna say it again because I know that there's people that are listening that you are already there. Do not let hard times harden your heart. Just because it happened doesn't mean you deserve it. Let's be real, though. Sometimes if you're, oh, why, God? I'm like, uh, why? Can we replay really quick to see what this guy did? Because it was classic. Some of the things that you've done, it's your fault, and you just got to deal with it, okay? But listen, sometimes it's hard to understand. Oh, all things happen for a reason. Yes and no. Sometimes things just happen. But God can put, he can give purpose to something that has no reason. He can. As long as you don't let hard times harden your heart towards God. Because here's the the thing that scares me the most. The more you harden your heart towards God, the harder it becomes to hear him. The harder it becomes to find him. The harder it becomes for him to help you. The more you harden your heart towards him. And you can harden your heart. You know, sin is what does it. Our opinion of God or repeated actions that we know is wrong, yet we've done it so much, you've become numb to it. Let me warn you, if you are sinning and doing something you know is wrong and you keep doing it, and eh, it's, not that, you know, it's not that bad anymore. Oh, you got to check yourself. You've gone numb. You've gone numb now, and that's dangerous. That's dangerous. You don't want to go there. 
And so he's trying to help Job in the fact that he did. And Job was able to turn around and, and, and he really softened his heart towards God. And that's why Eli, God was able to talk to Job because his heart was softened because of the words of Elihu. And listen, I want to challenge you. Here's how you do that. How can we prevent? How can we prevent from our hearts to become hardened from God easy? You go from this. And when you find yourself catching and saying, God, why, why, why? If you catch yourself saying that, number, I want you to know. That's not a sin. If you stay there, though, you can. Catch yourself when you go, why, God, why? When you can go from why, God, to my God. That's the change. That's the shift. When you make that shift, you say, God, I don't know, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why so-and-so and this and that. I do not know why. But from that place to say, man, I heard reports of you, but now I see you. We can now testify to this truth just like the shepherds did. The shepherds heard a report, hey, there's a Savior that was born. The promise of the Messiah, God, has not been silent. For 400 years, God was silent. For 400 years, it looked like, where did God go? Did he forget? Did he abandon us? And the angels were saying, no, he hasn't been silent. He hasn't been still. He has been working for this very moment, and it is now happening. Go see for yourself. And the shepherds go to the baby, and what, what do they see? They go like, you know, we've seen a report about this baby, but now we see him with our eyes. And the shepherds couldn't help but go and testify and say, guys, it's happening. This is real. Our God is good. Our God hasn't forgotten us. Our God is faithful. And when we encounter God in that way, something shifts in us. Something happens in us. And then we ought to testify to the truth that my God is greater than fill in the blank. My God is greater than fill in the blank. There's nothing that you can fill. That nothing you can fill to make that statement wrong. He is greater than whatever situation, difficulties, whatever, even your questions. God is greater than, I don't know what this is, but he's greater than this. Listen, from what we see with Job, and this is something as we process this year. God is not the cause of pain and disruption. That's an effect of sin and that we all perpetuate. We all got a hand in on that. But sometimes God will allow suffering for a greater purpose. That happened in Job's life, and it happened in the best life ever, in Jesus' life. God allowed suffering to happen to an unjust person who didn't deserve it for a greater purpose. Because of Jesus' suffering, we can be saved. Because of Jesus' suffering, because his love was greater than our sin, now we can have life. And we can go from why, why to my God when we are accepted by this loving and good God. And so, guys, I want, us to, I want you to know that, that whatever suffering you may be going through, maybe it's loneliness, maybe it's depression, maybe it's financial, maybe it's marital, maybe it's fill in the blank. That situation is real. We're not denying that. Your problem is big but your God is greater. Don't let hard times harden your heart. Do not let hard times harden your heart. In fact, listen, the world is not, look, the world might never be the same again according to decisions that people have made in this year. The world might, not, might never be the same again, but you will never be the same again when you choose to entrust your life in a good and loving God. Because this, this year might have been the worst, but God has never stopped giving you his best. So, May we repent. May we ask the Lord to examine our hearts so that he can continue doing a good work in us throughout bad circumstances.
Look, you guys have all been in that situation when you know someone is going through something difficult, right? They've experienced a tragedy and you just don't know what to say because it's hard to find the right words, right? Job and his friends kind of struggled with that. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. I've struggled with that too. And I was even worried even about this moment here. That's why I wanted to make sure that if you were going to take away one thing from today, it was not so much, here's one thing you should do. But also, here's the one thing that you should guard your heart against, and that's not allowing hard times to harden your heart towards God. Because if you do that one thing, if you allow hard times to harden your heart, then it makes it harder to get through, harder to follow Christ. But the other side is the opposite. And that's what it means to be a revolutionary, a true revolutionary that revolves our life around Christ, which all of it is always stemmed towards trust. Listen, there's a lot that you're not going to know. There's answers that you will never know. There's things that's hard to figure out. But when you hold on to the God that you know, when you know that he is my God and that my God is good and that my God is faithful and my God has not abandoned me, that my God is mighty, you hold on to that and you trust in him, not allowing hard times to harden your heart, you will see that God will continue to do something amazing in you and through you. So with that, guys, I want to help you, encourage you to do that and not to do that. And we're going to pick up this series where we leave off next Sunday.